And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We all got to be on the same page. You know, we've got a great group of guys. The energy level is extreme. We've got good veteran leadership on this team. I like the culture here better than any of the teams I've had in a long time or been a part of. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Jimmy Durkin. We've got Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and uh, breaking news, Ted Wynn has been activated. We signed him to the practice squad. He's been activated to the 53-man roster. He's back. We'd like to welcome him back. Um, he, he tried to negotiate a big Keelan Doss type signing bonus. We wouldn't have it. Vic offered him some pizza dough. He wasn't happy with that. But, you know, he looked around the league. He said, I don't have any other offers, so uh, I'll come back and join you. But he's back. Also with us here is uh, Jeff Zarebeck, covers the Ravens for The Athletic. And uh, a busy day for Jeff here on Thursday. I mean, it's just been injury after injury, especially in the running back room for the for the Ravens, uh, it was Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters, what, in a matter of a couple of plays at practice on Thursday? Yeah, you know, um, Marcus Peters went down first and uh, sound like as he was, you know, they looked at him and then he was getting carted off towards the training room. And sounds like as he was heading off, Gus Edwards went down and uh, ultimately he'd uh, get the same, you know, treatment. So, um, you know, they still have to do tests, but... 95% of the times they can tell, uh, you know, they do the on-field ACL tests and uh, they can tell. And uh, there's not a whole lot of optimism there. The expectation is both will be done uh, for the entire season. And again, it's two more uh, significant blows. Um, the running back will get probably more attention just because he's the third running back. They've lost a season-ending injury in about two weeks. But Marcus Peters, and I know some from his past might sort of shrug at this but Marcus Peters has kind of become the heartbeat of that defense you know like they love him he loves it there he's become a defensive leader and yeah he gives up some plays but there's not a better playmaking corner in the league in terms of taking the ball away you know they have some cornerback depth where they'll still put out a, a competent quarterback group running back I don't know if they'll be able to do that on Monday but uh, either way uh, you know they they feel like they're one of the deeper teams in the league but it's been tested uh, way more than they felt like uh, was possible over these last couple of weeks. 
And just in terms of the opener against the Raiders, uh, I mean, Marcus Peters has been a Raiders killer over his career. It's, it's his hometown team, kid from Oakland. They're not in his hometown anymore. But, I mean, he's he's traditionally just always gotten up for those games against the Raiders. A lot of picks, pick sixes and everything. So I think uh, especially losing him for uh, for against in that season opener is a blow. Yeah, and, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, Marcus Peters is not a big media guy, as I think everybody who's ever dealt with him knows. Uh, he, he's my old buddy. I, I covered him in high school. He's he's my uh, he's my old buddy. <laughs> yeah, so, but today he talked to the media. He looked like he would have talked for 30 minutes if we asked him to. He was great. He was reflective. He was energetic. He was excited. Talked about how much he liked the Raiders uh, and how this will be a little different because they're in Vegas now, but he thinks it was the best, uh, best, they made the best of the situation. I mean, it was very interesting. And then for two hours later for him to go off in a cart with his season over, it's tough. Uh, you know, he certainly was looking forward to getting the season started. You know, he's become a core player here. He's one of the recruiters to get Justin Houston in the building. As I said, you know, they love him. Uh, they, they, and you know, him not being there. The defense was looking good. With all the problems they were having at running back, they felt good defensively about the summer they had. He's a guy that, you know, you just don't really have a replacement for, at least for the ball skills and the playmaking ability. I was going to ask, what do you see them doing on Monday at the running back? Do you see uh, Le'Veon Bell having a big role or Tyson Williams, or what do you see happening? Tyson Williams is going to start and going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, you know, this is a 2020 undrafted free agent who spent their season on the practice squad. And, you know, he has a great summer. He, he runs hard. You know, I think he'll be okay. And, you know, the, the star of the Ravens run game is Lamar Jackson and then Greg Roman's scheme, you, you know. So I still think they'll be able to have some success running the football but that's a lot to ask of a kid making his NFL debut to kind of, you know, in a game like that, to kind of have all those carries and lead the offense like that. They've said they've agreed to terms with Devonta Freeman on the practice squad. He was in here for a workout at the same time Le'Veon Bell was. And, you know, my understanding was they preferred signing Devonta Freeman, but he wasn't necessarily on board with starting on the practice squad because he, you know, he felt like he was ready to play. Le'Veon Bell knows he hasn't played football in months, wasn't in anybody's training camp, had, didn't have a preseason while, you know, Freeman did in New Orleans. It wouldn't surprise me if Devontae Freeman's their number two running back on Monday, even though he's only going to have like two, two, three practices. Now, I don't know that Le'Veon Bell won't play, but I think Devontae Freeman's more suited and more ready, you know, conditioning-wise and health-wise to play immediately, and that's why they signed him. And then they got a kid uh, named Trenton Cannon, who's probably their number three running back, a change of pace guy, played with the Panthers, but mostly on special teams. So his first practice was Wednesday with them. So they're going to go in with with Williams and likely Cannon, a guy who's not, will have like four practices under his belt. And then Devontae Freeman will have two practices under his belt. So I think you could expect to see a lot of uh, Lamar Jackson running the ball and also a lot of Taysom Williams running the ball. I was going to ask something that people haven't talked about much is the Ravens, you know, the, the heart of that offense is their offensive line because they want to run the ball so much. And they have three new starters on the offensive line, Ben Cleveland, the rookie, Kevin Zeitler from the Giants, and Alejandro Villanova from uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, what do you think about their re revamped offensive line? And, you know, do you think that they can live up to the expectations that they have in Baltimore? Yeah, you know, um, all five starters 
the only starter that they'll have on Monday night that was actually in its place last year at this time was Ronnie Stanley, a left tackle. And Stanley's only had a couple weeks of camp because he's recovering from that major knee injury or excuse me, ankle injury that ended his, uh, you know, 2020 season. Everybody's different at all four spots. They still haven't really decided on a left guard. It could be Cleveland, but it's probably more likely going to be Tyree Phillips, third round pick last year. It's going to take those guys a while to gel, no, no question. Um, but I do think the Ravens have the most offensive line-friendly schemes in the league. Uh, they take a lot of pressure off their offensive line with Jackson's mobility and kind of some of the play calling and what they do offensively and running. I think that group should be much better in November than they will be Monday night, which is probably true of most teams, but specifically of them because they haven't been together. I mean, it's only in the last two weeks where they've had all their starting offensive linemen on the field. So it's going to take a while. And, you know, you know, Ngakwe is chomping at the bit, was not happy with, you know, how his tenure in Baltimore went. Um, you know, obviously Raiders uh, beefed up uh, their front. So it'll be a challenge. So, I, yeah, I, I that unit needs to, to do some meshing. So, uh, you know, I think that's something to watch for Monday night. Another injury that the Ravens had earlier this, this offseason was Rashad Bateman, you know, going down in, in camp, you know, particularly with, you know, all the injuries at running back and, and that, their kind of running game being in flux. How do, you, how do you feel about kind of their receiver room overall without Bateman at this, this point in the season? Yeah, and kind of continuing the theme, it's uh, that group hasn't been on the field all summer either. I mean, Marquise Brown didn't play in the preseason, just came back a week ago. Boykin's out. He's been the starting receiver the last two years. As you mentioned, Bateman's out. Watkins hasn't practiced much, which I'm sure doesn't shock too many people, but they're depending heavily on Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins to stay healthy. And, you know, that's been a difficult, uh, you know, that's been a, a challenge for both of those guys. Lamar Jackson hasn't really thrown to a couple of these guys too much other than the last couple of weeks, something to watch. But I think they'll be better. I think they're still, you know, they miss some of the things Willie Sneed does, but uh, they're quicker there now at receiver. And I, I think they'll be fine there. They're never going to, it's just not their nature. They don't have the type of offense where they're really going to have an explosive passing game. But I think they have enough at the receiver position to do some things and be improved from a pass game concept. And, and you know what? So much is going to revolve around tight end Mark Andrews. You know, he's the, he's their go-to guy. He's the guy they want to get the ball to a lot anyway. But they'll miss Bateman, no doubt. He probably won't be back till mid-October. And, you know, that's a guy that was looking like an immediate, uh, you know, immediate player for them on day one. You mentioned Ngakwe. Obviously, it's been a, been a weird kind of, I don't know, 15 months or so for him. Four teams, you know, all these trades. But, I mean, he, he generally has been pretty productive, really, wherever he's been. What were the impressions of him in Baltimore, and, you know, what did you see out of him in his brief time there? When he was acquired, and, and yeah, this was a guy that the, you know, Ravens fans had been, you know, salivating over for years. You know, they didn't draft him, and that ticked off a lot of people because he's a Maryland kid. And, you know, they, this is a kind of a provincial town. They want to, like, to, uh, every day we hear about how they pass Stefan Diggs, too. And, and you know, Ngakwe's kind of in that same boat. And then they finally get him, didn't have to whole, trade a whole lot for him. And I think everyone expected he was going to be the final piece to a, a championship puzzle. He played better than he was given credit for, I think. You know, he impacted games. Uh, you know, quarterbacks got, got rid of the ball really fast on them. And I think part of that is just because the Ravens are known for their kind of creative blitz packages and, and offensive coordinators go in thinking, you know, quick passing games, the best way to go about it against them. And that neutralized him a little, but just never seemed to be a trust there between the coaching staff and Ngakwe in terms of how he plays the run, 
and how he kind of rushed in terms of a team concept, you know, and the Ravens ask a lot of their outside linebackers. It's not just pin your ears back and rush the quarterback. I, I mean, they ask these guys to drop, they ask them to set the edge in the run game. And if you can't do those things, it's going to impact how much you're on the field. And he just didn't get much of an opportunity. I know he's made those comments that he felt like he was underutilized. I think that, you know, that could be fair from his perspective, um, but they just didn't get enough, didn't have enough trust in him to play him like an every down player. And I know he was frustrated about it. I know he expressed his frustration at one point after the Titans playoff game. And I, you know, I think that probably rubbed some people the wrong way because they just had this emotional playoff win and, and Ngakwe wasn't happy about his snaps. But I get it. He's a pro. He wanted to make a major impact. And it just it just didn't really happen. It just I guess the easiest way to say it is it just didn't feel like a good fit from the jump. All right, Jeff. Well, hey, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, it's a, a busy week for you. All these injuries and uh, season opener coming up on Monday in Vegas. So appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on Monday. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. I can't wait to be out there on uh, Monday and see the stadium and all that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're talking about the way to get your season off to a start, not been a good one for the Ravens. Uh, the Raiders, you know, you can say they haven't really suffered any major injuries. They've had, uh, you know, some nicks and bruises here. Uh, Richie Incognito still hasn't practiced as we... Uh, head into Friday. Uh, still optimism, I think, right, that he'll be ready for the opener. I, I know uh, Josh Jacobs a little dinged up, but hey, you know, running back, you don't ever push it. But you look over at Baltimore and uh, you just you kind of you're kind of thankful that you're not in one of those positions where you're already, you know, going into week one trying to rebuild your depth chart. Yeah, no, Gruden, you know, said he was confident that Incognito was going to play. But I mean, if he doesn't practice I think tomorrow, you have to start thinking that maybe he's going to be out. You got to see him today. During practice, he was kind of in the weight room jogging on a treadmill. Um, at least it looked like him. Uh, so, uh, but until he gets back out there, I'm starting to think maybe we'll, we'll see John Simpson starting Monday. You know, obviously we're still a few days away from the game, um, so we still have some time for that to turn his way around. But 
you know, that's the case. I mean, Simpson, you know, he had, he had to step in at times throughout last season, throughout all the injuries that they had. And he was kind of up and down. They, they feel like he made a lot of improvement in the offseason. Um, so we'll see. But that's definitely a, a pretty tough week one test. All right. Well, uh, news that we weren't able to get to last week on the show because it happened uh, just a short while after we finished recording. Uh, the Raiders uh, agreed to terms uh, last week with K.J. Wright. They brought him in, uh, I think, Monday. They waved old third-round pick Tanner Muse, uh, wished him a happy birthday, sent him on up to Seattle. Uh, he, he did not come back to their practice squad, goes up to Seattle. But there's two sides of that. You can talk about how that's a failed third-round pick, that you draft a guy in the third round, and a year and a half later, you're waving him. That's obviously a failure of drafting, especially when you know Mike Mayock said it was like stealing to have three third-round picks. But if you just want to take the, the transactional part of it and look, you swapped out Tanner Muse, you swapped in K.J. Wright, I and mean, that's a win for the Raiders roster. It definitely is a win. I mean, obviously, uh, you got to factor in the $4 million and change difference. But They just blow up money uh, anyway. That's, that's you know, good, they light that's money on fire. But uh, look at this linebacker. Obviously, Morrow's out for a while. I'm not sure how long he had foot surgery. But just in terms of you know Morrow and Littleton, Kwiatkowski, who's solid, not K.J. Wright, definitely. And even Denzel Perriman is a solid veteran. That's a, the best linebacker room uh, they've had in a long, long time. So I think K.J. Wright... Maybe he's lost a step. I'm sure he still has a few steps left, and he says he's fired up. He's angry. He had to sit all offseason and wait for a team to come and make him a real offer. So uh, he knows Gus Bradley's system, you know, forward and backwards. So just in terms of this, I mean, I don't know about week one. Like, I think it'll take time for these guys to gel together. But going forward, uh, it definitely is a very positive sign for this defense. They have some really good linebackers who know what they're doing and should be able to make plays. Yeah, I think with all the injuries at the – the Ravens have suffered with their wide receiver core. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to be able to double Mark Andrews a little bit more than uh, you normally would. So, you know, they have that luxury there. And, you know, they have to trust some of their defensive backs on islands with uh, Marquise Brown or Sammy Watkins, who, you know, just started practicing again. Yeah, I think as Vic said in our, our preview piece that came out today, uh, you know, I really want to see if, if Corey Littleton is able to turn it around. Like, obviously, as we talked about, you know, the Raiders have had this string of big money free agents, free agents that don't pan out. And, um, you know, he was really – obviously, last offseason was unusual, and, and, and he never seemed quite comfortable in Paul through system. So maybe uh, with this cover three scheme, you know, it's more simple. Maybe he'll be more comfortable and make some more plays. But, you know, it was a pretty rough year for him last year. I mean – essentially at the end of the year started to lose his job to, to Nick Moreau. Um, and so if Littleton doesn't pan out, you know, obviously they have some depth at linebacker now, but especially, you know, with the, with the injury to Moreau, they really need him to, to step it up this year. Yeah, you really do figure, like, he can be the X factor. Like, last year we went in kind of saying, wow, the Raiders have finally, can't say solved, but they've upgraded the linebacker position, adding in Littleton and Quitkowski. I mean, and then it's like, now... It's like, it's like psych, you know, psych! By mid-season, <laughs> we're like, Quitkowski's solid. You can tell why he's always been kind of a, a you know third, fourth linebacker. Littleton is not solid, but uh, I mean he, he had a pedigree. He played well when he was in LA, um, so you'll see what what they can get out of him. But they've got the makings of being good at linebacker. They've got the makings of being better on defense. Just now, it's time to show. I wonder it. if they're going to use Littleton or Quiakasker, maybe even Abram against Andrews. I think that's probably the big matchup now, especially with the running backs all being you know fallen. Uh, off, I think that Mark Andrews is definitely a guy you got to somehow contain besides Lamar Jackson. So I'm really curious to see what Gus does as far as how they attack him, if it's all these linebackers or if it's Jonathan Abram. But if it's one thing that you want to give away to them, it's probably you know single coverage on their wide receivers. 
right? But then I could say that now, and then we know, like you said, Marquise Brown might be running in for a 90-yard touchdown. But um, that's the one area where you could say, like, all right, you know, we're going to trust our corners here, even though it's a little, you know, a little scary. As far as linebackers go, I think it'll be – I'm really curious to see what they do as far as trying to contain Mark Andrews. It's going to be Kwiatkowski or Littleton or maybe even Jonathan Abrams. So I think um, that'll be one of the major questions I have as far as the game goes on Monday. If you double Mark Andrews, who is spying Lamar Jackson? Wow. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that becomes my fear, right? If that becomes the fear, if you focusing too much on Mark Andrews, I mean, there's no – better quarterback in the league to take advantage of take advantage of you with his feet than Lamar Jackson. So yeah, I like how we got doubling Mark Andrews. We got spy on Lamar Jackson. I see I see Marquise Brown running down the field wide open, like, but that's all right. <laughs> thirteen men on the field, thirteen men on defense. They they could just say, hey, we're the Raiders. We were had the franchise worst uh, defense last year. We got you gotta let us have a couple extra guys. Even with the injuries at running back, I'm still kinda worried about their run defense too. Just along the defensive line, you know, starting starting Ngakwe and Crosby, those guys aren't known as as run stoppers on the edge. And I would say Jonathan Hankins and, and maybe Gerald McCoy are their only defensive tackles really known for being a, a big difference maker against the run. Uh, you know, I, I like their, how their linebacker room is coming together. But especially going against the Ravens, uh, you know, even with the, the injuries at running back, I'm still a little bit concerned about not just for this game, but for the season, kind of their run defense. All right. You guys ready to have uh, have a little fun with some over-unders? Josh Jacobs, total rushing yards, 950.5. Total rushing and receiving touchdowns combined, nine. So 950 and a half rushing yards and nine combined touchdowns. Uh, What do you guys like? I think I'll go over on both of those with 17 games. You know, that seems pretty pretty safe for him. I'll definitely go with the over in the rushing yards. I think I'll have a big year there. Touchdowns, uh, to me, that's dicey because, you know, I think Drake will get the ball in the red zone. I got Foster Moreau's back this year. I got Zay Jones in the mix. A lot of guys in the mix there. <laughs> so I don't know about nine. Nine seems like a, it's a good number. Obviously, I could be close, but uh, I love the yards. I'm going over on the yards and I'll pass on the, uh, the touchdowns. I'll go over on both. It's, it's a good number. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, he'll get like 10, 11. I mean, 17 games, it, you know, it's a. It's a lot, so we'll see. That's the the catch twenty two though. How many of the twenty? How many of the seventeen games is he gonna play? Um, you know, uh, I mean, obviously we we can't go into these predicting injuries and all that. I mean, yeah, I, but I, I'll say I'll take over on both of them. Kenyon Drake, his partner in crime in the backfield, five hundred and fifty and a half total rushing yards, five total receiving and rushing touchdowns, five fifty and a half, five. Definitely go the under on the yards. I think uh, well, Devontae Booker had a good year last year. I don't think he had that many yards. I think it was four. I want to say he had four hundred and change last year. Devontae Booker. But did he get a two-year, eleven million dollars? Well, he was contract? pretty good, though. I mean, I think they would have taken him back. I mean, <laughs> uh, but so I don't. I can't imagine. I don't just. I can't see Drake having more rushing yards than Devontae did. So, but I'll take the under on that. I think it'll be a lot of receiving yards. I think that'll be a, will be a factor. But so I got the under on the yards, five touchdowns. If I'm going to pass on Jacobs, i got to take a play here. So I'm taking over five on that one. Go ahead and cash that one now. Yeah, I'll go under on the on the rushing yards. I think he is going to be, like, obviously, you know, a little bit up there when you factor in the receiving yards. But I'll, I'll take over on the touchdowns. Yeah, I'll go under on the running yards and over on the touchdowns. Same, same as you guys. I, I think Booker might be a better pure runner than Kenyon Drake. I mean, Drake's a more athletic, and if he gets an open field, he's dangerous. But, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, he – kind of lost that starting job in, in Arizona. 
Somebody's got to be different. No, Give me don't Rumble. be different. We got to make it unanimous. Gotta People go to the sports gotta book. They make. Oh, hey, State of Nationals unanimous on this. This is a lock. You bet the mortgage. <laughs> you got two houses. Come on, guys. All right, this is going to be a good one. Henry Ruggs the third total receiving yards seven hundred and a half. Total receiving touchdowns four. Those are the lines set for the former number twelve overall pick. Seventy point five. Four touchdowns. Ted, bat lead off here. I think he'll go over. I predicted around 800, so I think he'll go over and I'll say under on touchdowns. I'll say, I'll say over on both. I'm going to buy into the, the Kool-Aid. I know we kept using that in the story today, but um, I think with them losing Aguilar and, and letting John Brown go, I mean, I don't really know if they have a great alternative at Z if, if Ruggs, you know, isn't playing that well this year. Um, you know, assuming health, of course, I think yeah, I think like 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 Ted said, I think it'd be like in that eight hundred range, and you know, just off his explosiveness, get a few touchdowns throughout the year. So I, I'll go over on both. Yeah, I go over on both too. I don't think it's a lot of respect. That's like not having fifty yards a game for a guy who was the first receiver taken in the draft last year. Come on, people, I got to take the over. I think like uh, both those numbers are kind of small. You don't have to have a great year to be the top seven hundred yards and four touchdowns. So I think uh, he'll get enough targets to go over both those. If he doesn't go over on both. And yeah, that that's a problem. I mean, uh, seven hundred four. I mean, he better go over. So I'll, I'll take the over, and uh, Ted will be the one. Uh, Wait, on, what if he hits right at four touchdowns? That's push, a push, right? Yeah. yeah, you you can pick a push. Yeah, I'll, I'll take push. I think four is a good number. You go for the push. All right. Okay, Darren Waller. Trifold uh, predictions here. We've got total receptions ninety five and a half. He's coming off of obviously setting the single season record for uh, franchise record for receptions. Uh, total receiving yards one thousand fifty and a half. Total receiving touchdowns seven and a half. Uh, I think Waller's only getting better, so I'm going to take the over on both receptions and receiving yards. The touchdowns against tricky because. Uh, we got uh, his guy, Fossil Moreau, who's going to be definitely a factor. So I'm going to go with the under on touchdowns again. But I think the over is going to under first, too. I'll jump in second. I'm going to take the under on receptions, 95 and a half. I mean, a 90 catch season is still really good. 85, 90 catch. I, I kind of think Gruden's got to prove that he made the right move with getting in rugs, getting in Edwards. He's got to kind of make those guys something for this offense. So I think that will lead to a few fewer targets for Darren Waller. So I'm going to put him in like the 80 to 90 range for, for catches. Over on the yards, um, 1,050. I mean, if he, if he plays 17 games, that, that should be easy. Seven and a half touchdowns, I'll give him eight. I'll go slightly over. Yeah, I'll take the, the same. I'll go under on the catches, over on the yards and touchdowns. I think not as much volume as last season, but I think he'll be more efficient, spreading the wealth a little bit more this year, you know, as I expect those those two second-year wideouts to kind of step up a little bit more which I think would overall probably make their passing game a little bit better and make it harder for opposing defenses just to key in on Waller all the time. So I think that'd still be a pretty good season for him. I'll go over on all three. Just with the way the Raiders use him, they love to use him on those choice routes, those underneath routes. And that's just a huge part of their offense. So I, I don't imagine them going too far away from that. So I could see him going you know, pretty high in the reception numbers, an extra game in there too. All right, we're going to knock out uh, two defensive guys here to wrap this up. Yannick Ngakwe, nine sacks. Max Crosby, eight sacks. Uh, combined 17 out of their two edge rushers. Uh, neither of them in double digits here. So, uh, Vic, you, you've you been on board with them both being uh, double-digit sack guys, right? They both have been really uh, inspirational teammates so far in camp. They both have been uh, clearly leaders. Both are motivated. Both are in great shape. 
they've kind of bonded. Uh, if we've seen that, so uh, I think if they don't get those 17 sacks total, both if they don't get 17 sacks, something's gone really wrong as far as the the whole game plan this year and what they thought was going to happen. So I think those guys are the keys to the defense. I think over uh, for both those guys uh, should be not too hard to accomplish. Yeah, I can see them going both over two. You know, the offense is still going to be good. They're going to get a lot of pass rush opportunities. Crosby plays a ton of snaps, and he's pretty uh, pretty durable. So, yeah, I, I can see him going over both. I feel like we're all being pretty positive, but I go over as well on both the sack numbers. I'm not sure how much they'll get from the, the rest of the pass rushers. You know, I'm still a little bit questionable about their overall depth when it comes to pass rush, but I think those two guys are pretty sure bits. I'm going to go over for Max. Uh, we know he was injury plagued last year and still found a way to get seven. So I'm going to go over on the eight for him. I'm going to go under for Ngunkwe, uh with his nine. Uh, he had eight last season. I think he's going to be good for them. But, you know, sometimes guys that sign the free agency, we saw it with all the free agents lately, takes them a year to maybe get settled. So uh, I'm going to say that he finishes with, with about eight again. So he's just under. So over for Max, under for Ngunkwe. I feel like a lot of these numbers are uh, pretty low for the Raiders. Either that or we're just being have you have, have, have you watched the Raiders? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the hardest number we had to contemplate was Jacob's touchdown total. Nationwide, they're not getting a lot of respect. I don't think they see that in not only the, like the win total seven and a half, which is lower than last year. I think these numbers are kind of low. So I think people aren't really buying into the whole uh, Ngakwe, Crosby, Kenyon Drake, you know. A new O-line phenomenon. People are kind of skeptical uh, outside of the uh, of the Raider Nation. That leads to the big one, the win total. You said it, seven and a half. Are they going to go over or are they going to go under? Are they going to be a seven and ten or worse team or are they going to be an eight and nine or better? Yeah, as I wrote in the story today, I'm going, going with them being over. I got them in nine and eight, which is probably not a playoff team in AFC unless, you know, a bunch of other teams underperform. So, not exactly the season that fans are going to want, but I think this the seven number is, is too low, or seven and a half. Yeah, I went real negative. I went eight and nine, and that still goes over the total. So maybe I'm not being negative, but I thought, like, I can see the, the reasons people think they'll be better than eight and nine, but to me, there's definitely some holes still, uh, some question marks. But, uh, yeah, seven and a half just seems really low. If, if they're below seven and a half, then something uh, definitely went uh, went wrong, and someone's going to be... Be hell to pay for somebody, but uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a low number. Nobody call us haters. We're all going over. I don't know about Jim. Jimmy's probably going over. I think, but <laughs> Jimmy's a hater. <laughs> yeah, I, I got over seven and a half. Is, is, is pretty low. I think if they if they win less than seven games, I don't know. You got to consider maybe terminating that ten year contract. That's pretty bad. <laughs> hey, Gruden, remember Gruden said if he can't win here, he'll walk away. You know. Yeah, seven and a half is a is a really good number. I tell you that. I mean, because I I kind of think they're straddling that seven and ten, eight and nine range. I mean, that's why seven and a half is such a good number. You know, I'd say really the last two years, I I would have predicted them lose a couple more games than than they won. So I'll, I'll go optimistic this year. I'll give them over. I'll probably I think I'm going to join Vic in that in that eight and nine in that eight and nine town. Which that's not a good season. That's not good enough for. Uh, for year four of, of the Gruden regime. But the division is just so good. I think the division is, is going to be tough. 
you know, and I know the Chargers and Broncos have their question marks, but they also have reasons to be optimistic. I mean, they showed they can compete with the Chiefs last year. And I think that was, they might have only finished eight and eight, but I think the fact that they showed they can compete with the Chiefs was big. So we'll just see if they can ride the mo- that momentum. Yeah, I feel like we might be on the house side because I've seen a lot of just reading nationally and, and either other, other sites, like six wins or fewer a lot of times for the Raiders. So. I don't know, maybe we're all missing something on the ground here, but uh, I think we're pretty optimistic. I think the danger is these first four games. You got you know, you got the Ravens, you got at Pittsburgh, which is a tough place to play, home against the Dolphins, who are obviously a good team, beat them last year, and at the Chargers. You know, that's a really tough uh, first four games. So I think if you don't go two and two those first four, then you got some real problems and things definitely could, could slide. But I think that's why why people look at the schedule like, you know what, that's – they could easily be one and three. If some people, I'm sure, even say zero oh and four after those first four games. So that's why a lot of folks are probably thinking about the under seven and a half. So to me, those first four games are definitely a, a huge as far as how this goes. Yeah, the way the schedule set up this year, they don't have that. Uh, even though it didn't work out well for them at the end of the last couple of years, but they kind of had those softer schedules down the stretch. But this year, it's kind of flipped where they have a pretty difficult beginning and, and a difficult end, and then the middle is kind of where it's a little bit light on paper, and so. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. All right, we're going to take some questions here, and we're going to start with one that actually came in pre-solicitation. It came in last week on Twitter from Chris Alvarado. He has a rumor that he would like Vic to uh, confirm whether or not it's true. But to read the rumor <laughs> from Josh Jabot. Ah, from Josh Jabot. Cal at UNLV men's basketball game on November 13th, the night before Raiders host Chiefs. I've heard a rumor that if Cal wins, Vic Tafer might do a victory lap in the bus around Thomas and Mack parking lot just to annoy Paul Gutierrez. Vic, I, I need confirmation of this rumor. Uh, Chris Alvarado would pay to see this. I definitely would too, but I, I can't, uh, I don't have a lot of faith in, uh, in Cal sports right now. But yeah, I'm all for victory laps and rubbing it in Paul's face. But um, it hasn't happened yet. But well, maybe, well, who knows? All right, let's get to some real questions here from uh, Davis. And do you guys believe the Raiders have added enough impact defensive players to improve to being an average defense this year? I still have them in that below average range, I'd say. You know, maybe like 21st to 23rd ranked scoring defense, maybe something of that nature. You know, I I think they're just still dependent on a bunch of young guys, and and those guys are going to have some bumps along the way. And, you know, I think their pass rush is better, but I have concerns about their run defense. And so I, I still think it's going to take, you know, some more time. It's first year in a new new scheme. And so I don't see them making a leap from, or were they, 30th in scoring defense last year to suddenly being, you know, 15th in scoring defense or something like that. I'm not sure they made enough improvements for that to happen, but I think they'll be better, just not, still not what would you what you would call, you know, a, a good or even an average unit. I kind of agree. I'll say if average is from 10 to 20, they could be in that range. It could be in the bottom of that range, but I think it's, it's tough because I still have questions about their run defense. I'm still not sold on their run defense. Uh, the depth, I think, is not very good. So definitely still some issues. Even though they had brought in some guys, I think, are impact newcomers. Like, uh, we talked about Ngakwe. I think I think Merrick's really good. And I think those are guys you haven't had here for a while, those type of players. So definitely improved. Average, I think, is going to be tough. But I, they could definitely be in the bottom half of that range, I think. Ngakwe, obviously, is the big free agent signing and you're hoping that he could bolster the um the pass rush and if you're talking about another impact player from the draft you're hoping that Maury could turn into that guy but I mean you know we, we talked about it all you know all, all offseason the um the defensive coordinator changes what can really impact this defense if Bradley can get this team 
to you know stop with the miscommunications, lining up wrong, and all those things that could that could um, be huge for this team. You know where we've seen all those uh, miscues and self-inflicted wounds from them um, over and over again. If you're just looking at huge impact guys they've added, I don't, I don't think they've added that many huge impact type of players. Yeah, I mean you're hoping that Ngakwe and Merrick are the two guys. I mean Vic, you you kept saying it that they had to this offseason add two players on defense that are the best two players. And you hope that it's Ngakwe and, and Merrick, maybe KJ Wright. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. If Corey Littleton this year becomes the guy that he was supposed to be last year, then that can almost feel like a free agent signing. There's question marks. I mean, you know, Casey Hayward, does, does has he how many steps has he lost? Um, I mean, there's reason to like look at it and find optimism, but yeah, you, it does take some leaps of faith. So I think that's why you, you can't say for sure. You can be hopeful, but everybody knows that hope, just hoping that the Raiders have a good defense finally. Every year it seems like they've made they've addressed concerns, but then new concerns pop up. So um, we'll see. All right, two more questions here uh, from Weston P. I keep hearing that Alex Leatherwood is a beast in the run game, but that his pass protection is still lacking. What exactly is he missing in that part of his game? Is he so bad right now as to be a liability? And I don't think so, right? I mean, Vic, you wrote today that uh, you, you think he'll definitely be passable in the passing game. Yeah, he's, he's looked fine in camp. He didn't play that much the preseason, but um, I think obviously his strength is the running game. He's a power guy, and that's what he did in Alabama. So they asked him to do a lot in terms of pass protection. And the NFL is a whole different beast. The pass rushers are much different, much better. You got guys like the whole uh, line is like in college, you have guys who are either really fast or really strong. NFL, you got guys who are both. You got guys who are – total beast coming at you so there's gonna be a learning curve i think um they picked him high because they think he can do it so he's they put him in right away from day one because if he can handle it if he can't then that's a major problem for Derek carr in this offense this year but uh i think all indications are he should be okay i think it that'll be the growing pains in that part of the game but it should be not a liability if he is then uh it was not a good draft pick hey there's some technical flaws with his hand usage that he had in college that looked like he improved on in the preseason uh, but we didn't see him go against any top pass rushers or you know starting pass rushers just yet so you know he'll get a big test against Baltimore's pressure schemes all right final question here and this is just a, a logistical one and uh, good, good to make this announcement so Joseph O wants to know will you guys still be doing post-game podcasts after the games and yes uh, that is the plan we we don't do do that during the uh, preseason but during the regular season we will um, we're still working out the exact details of if we'll be recording them the, the day slash night after the games they might be recorded the next morning but um, we are going to do post-game shows uh, so we will uh We'll be with you. We'll talk. be talking to you after Monday night's game. Uh, we'll all be in Vegas for it, so uh, I think we'll probably all get together and, uh, and record a show, uh, whether it's uh, you know at the blackjack table, whether it's in the press box, back at the villa. You can you stop know, that. You can just stop that. Don't, don't keep going there. Let Alyssa get you in trouble and keep going. So the, it, could be, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere in Las Vegas. Did you have another no, location? I, think, I, you thought, you, I thought you did. So I, was like, <laughs> I was cutting you off and you got carried away. I, I, was, I wasn't going there. Oh, Tashawn wants, uh, wants to do it at a brewery wow, I hear. There you go. That, that, he's, he's, a, he's a big beer Sweet. guy now, I guess. Yeah, wine and brewers. <laughs> wine and brewers. Uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of wine you have here. That'd be great. I thought you enjoyed that wine. I, I, I enjoyed the beer uh, that you tried last time. I mean, it was better than the steak you made me eat. But I wasn't going so far as... <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. All right, uh, predictions. Deshaun, you're the man in uh, in Vegas right now. Give us uh, give us your prediction. 
these injuries have definitely given me some, some pause. Uh, I'm sure that the betting lines here in Vegas are starting to, to shift a little bit. It's a nice, nice underdog pick for that first week of wasting your money. But um, now I still think the the Ravens are going to pull it out. You know, I think their defense is, is their strong suit. But even with some of the concerns that they have on offense and uh, Lamar Jackson, he's shown for, for a couple of years now with, with kind of subpar pieces around him in terms of skill talent, and still being able to get defenses fits. So I, I still think he'll be effective, particularly against this defense and, you know, kind of them having some new guys coming in their first game in a new scheme. And I mean, I think the defense is, is still not going to be that good this season. So I still got the Ravens. I, th- I think it'll be a, a relatively close one, but um, I, I think they'll end up pulling out with, with the win. Yeah, I got the Ravens. Uh, I think I said thirty twenty six in our little column that runs uh, on Saturday. But uh, I think you know, you look at the past five years. There's some stat the Ravens have like five and zero with like a hundred and seventy point margin of win. They've definitely taken care of business the opening weekend. They have a great coaching staff. Lamar Jackson's still clearly still you know one of the best players in the league. Definitely a guy hard. Even the game plan for him, he's hard to stop. He's that good. So I think this defense will be tested and uh, probably a little more they can handle. Uh, week one. So I'm going with a high-scoring game. Uh, I think 30-26 uh, Ravens was my score. I'm going to take the Raiders. Uh, it's going to be the first game in that stadium. I think the crowd is going to play a factor. And I, I think that, you know, the fact that they have to replace three guys on the offensive line, it, it's a big deal for this Ravens team who's just used to just physically overwhelming uh, people. So, you know, they're so reliant on their run offense to get five, six-yard gains. But when, you know, you take that down to three, four-yard gains, you become a lot less efficient. And then you have to pass protection issues with a new offensive line that hasn't played together just yet. And then with the crowd noise and all that, you know, I could see a high-scoring game where the Raiders end up end up winning this one. So I, I'll take Raiders. I'm going to join Ted. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, 31-24, they win by a touchdown. Um, you know, they stunk at Allegiant Stadium last week, last season, but... You know, that was a, a season without fans. I don't think that was really could, could be viewed as a fair judgment on how they're going to play at home. Uh, it's going to be, you know, just a, it's going to be the atmosphere that the Raiders have been waiting, you know, 50, 60 years or whatever for to have their true home stadium um, packed to the gills. And so I think uh, that along with I me mean, just and we talked about it earlier. I mean, the injuries uh, Jeff talked about it. You know, Marcus Peters is, is the heartbeat of that defense. You know, teams that suffer injuries like that right before the season that suddenly lose impactful players right before the season. There's a little bit of a shock that, that I think they get hit with. And so I think that's going to be enough for the Raiders. I mean, we always have felt good about their offense. So uh, 31 points out of that offense, I think in an opener, um, even against a, a good Ravens defense, I think is possible. So uh, give them a little, you know, they won their, their first Monday night game at home last year against the Saints. So uh, give them another uh, exciting win, 31-24. Uh, all right, we're split down the middle, so we're not haters, we're not homers. Nobody can yell at us, uh, but uh, should be fun on Monday night, guys. Uh, look forward to being able to see some fans out there, and uh, I'm glad I didn't go to a game last year like you guys did uh, to, to to see that that watered down atmosphere. Uh, you know, I'll I'll see what it's like with fans, and uh, you know, check out that uh, there's all, all sorts of new uh, athletic signage uh, around the the Vegas Strip so uh, we're uh, we're big in Vegas now uh, we just got to get some state of the nation uh, posters out there and whatnot and and uh, we can maybe start getting comp drinks wherever we go <laughs> no they ain't give you no comp drinks on the strip it's 25 dollars my friend um, I'll bring my bottle of there's tailgating this year right <laughs> is there tailgating yeah. this year okay. yeah yeah if you got a fire tailgate let us know and you know maybe we'll drop by <laughs> 
as long as it's inside and some air conditioning, right, Deshaun? Nah, man, you gotta you gotta be COVID safe, man. You gotta need need the nice sun help help us out. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you all on Monday, and we'll talk to everybody after the Raiders take on the Baltimore Ravens in the season opener. All right, y'all. Later. Adios. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. (laughs) Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.